We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 120. Scott, it was a fun weekend of spring training baseball. I don't know about you. Um, there were grown men on fields throwing baseballs and hitting baseballs. There were. It was fun there to see. There were lots of grown men throwing and hitting baseballs, and it was uh, it was almost real. It wasn't you know it doesn't count towards towards any statistics or anything like that, but but it was real live play, and it was it was fun to watch. I'm I'm happy that spring training has started. We actually get to see these guys now implement what their uh, their off season workouts and all these uh, the workout videos that we've been looking at for months and, and now we get to see them throw and hit baseballs so it's uh it's tremendous i was thinking about this over the weekend uh, as i was listening to john and susan on the saturday broadcast um they kind of got me thinking about it think about seasons past of spring trainings basically the last 15 years of spring training after the starters like a-rod and jeter and Teixeira and whoever's pitching goes out it's a bunch of nobodies that we don't give a crap right. about 
Now, not only do we care about the young guys starting, but we can't wait to see Frazier come in. We can't wait to see Torres come in. We can't wait to see Mateo come in. It's it's really exciting. I kind of joked that I was saying that I might have split screen all season going with the Yankees and then Scranton or even uh, the Thunder games going on uh, this season. Yeah, time. I was going to say, it goes even it goes all the way even to Tampa. I mean, Blake Rutherford's probably going to be in Tampa, and I want to see what he's doing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting spring training because – I don't remember – well, def- definitely when we had a good system back in the early 90s, there wasn't this much coverage. We weren't, uh, we didn't have the availability to watch all these spring training games and, and watch them. Plus, I was three. Yeah, well, I, I was three years old, wasn't really watching I was games. actually watching television at that point. <laughs> I was a, a real person, almost. But, uh, but yeah, you, now that we have this, this you know, unbelievable farm system that's like the greatest farm system ever, ever assembled, we get to watch it, and you're right. Inning one is exciting, and inning nine is exciting. So this is good stuff. Can't miss farm system, right? Nothing will go that's, wrong. Uh, no, there's too there's too many. That's that's my deal. I love it. It's like a buck. Law of averages yeah. state that that something's gonna have to go right, and if it doesn't, then that's just really horrible. Exactly. Work. It's like a buckshot. Like a few of them are gonna hit. You know, whatever you're shooting at, like like a like a squirrel, for instance. A few of them are gonna hit. Do we have an update? Oh, geez. The he disappeared on me, man. I, I'm a little disappointed. Oh. So I don't know if he's dying. Conspiracy theory. I don't know if he's I think dying. He heard. In a, he's a listener of the Bronx Pinstripe Show, and he heard you're after it's his It's possible. There's a squirrel community who's talking about it. So I don't know if he's dying in a corner somewhere or he's dead. But I did see some like some uh, some remnants of of wood on the on the on my back deck uh, on Sunday. So that some bitch is coming back a little bit. And then he's gone again. So now he's just completely messing with me. All right. Uh, This week's fan shop code for 25% off will be Severino. I think we're going to be talking about Severino a bunch in this episode, along with the competition for the fourth and fifth starters. So use code Severino for 25% off. You can go to shop.bronxpinstripes.com. That's the fan shop. A ton of awesome gear in there. And Scott, I would love it if people show up to spring training on March 24th and 25th wearing a Bronx Pinstripes t-shirt. That would be freaking awesome. That is the uh, that is the goal, no doubt about it. Get your gear. I know I've I've know we've sent a bunch of stuff down to Tampa and from other people who have said that they're going to be going down at that time. So uh, so I have a feeling we're going to see some some sweet gear rocked out on those two days. We're going to be at the games on the 24th and 25th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, post game on Friday, we're going to meet up at a bar or brewery in Seminole Heights. That's where our house is still TBD on what bar or brewery. Uh, we got a couple in mind. We kind of just need to work out the details. So stay tuned on that. Um, obviously also, if you're going to the game and you want to uh, grab a beer during the game, we will do that as well. But then on Saturday, we are going to be in the right field bar area, the entire game. So, uh, find us there. And I know um, the new, the new, all the new renovations to the stadium, to the spring training stadium, look pretty sweet from all the pictures I've seen. Yeah, I like the fact that you can walk all the way around the stadium. That's something you can't do in the Bronx. So, <laughs> the fact that you can walk, do it, get a three. Well, you you can. You just have to walk by the the men's room. Yeah. Well, you have now you can get a three sixty view and actually takes a take a look at some of the uh, take a look at some of the guys in in pinstripes three sixty while while have a, a view the entire time. And that's that's something nice. You know that that's kind of cool. Maybe maybe we'll end up in a cabana somehow on saturday who knows you got you're gonna splurge with some, that? With some ahi dish with some ahi tuna and a bottle of dom who knows man you know you never know what'll happen 
Do you think they got Cabana boys or Cabana girls working those? Cabanas? I, I have to imagine that the New York Yankees have both. I, I have a feeling that they're yeah, they're they're looking. I mean, at it's twenty, it's twenty seventeen. Some people want Cabana boys. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I I know. I said the tweet out Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I said a tweet out during one of the games asking the Yankees where the application was for people who wanted to apply for Cabana boy slash girl. I didn't. Scott, I think I did not get a response. Yeah, I think you're. Thinking a little bit too highly of yourself. No, no, no. I, I, I made sure I said in the tweet I was, I was asking for a friend. <laughs> you ready to overreact and overanalyze some stuff that happened this weekend? That is exactly what this weekend's for. That's what this show is about. To get hyped up. <laughs> what good is the first weekend of spring training if you're not going to treat it like this is how the entire season is going to play out? Yeah, definitely. Zeros across the board with our pitching staff. That's what I'm looking for. I expect a zero ERA out of the starting rotation then for the entire Mm -hmm. season. First things first, the lineup in game one was um, pretty much, I think, going to be the opening day lineup. With the exception of Jacoby Ellsbury, who welcomed his new baby daughter, Crew. I don't know if you saw that, but he named her Crew. Crew. Interesting name. Congratulations, Jacoby. A lot of J. Crew uh, jokes. Oh, J. Crew. Yeah, I got Wow. Yeah. Wowzers. Crewsberry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it was up there with Soda and Seven. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Ellsbury was not in the lineup. Gardner was in center field leading off. Didi batting second, which I loved. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second. At short, Sanchez, Holiday, Bird, Castro, Headley, Hicks in left field, and then Judge batting ninth in right field. Uh, we got an Instagram question from Phil Up uh, for you's in there. What do y'all think or hope the batting order will look like? I'm going to lose it if Ellsbury and Gardner are one and two this year. I'm hoping Didi is the number two hitter. I just said I loved that Didi was batting second. I think he's the perfect number two hitter for this team for a few reasons. First, I think that he's going to get a lot of good pitches to hit, hitting second ahead of Sanchez and Holiday and Bird. Also, he can hit lefties and righties. He actually had better numbers against lefties last year, so I have no problem about that. He's quick. And I just think that he, he's going to be taking the next step this year. I'm sick of seeing Gardner and Ellsbury. I know the Yankees try to sell us this crap that, oh, Gardner and Ellsbury are the, are the starters for this team. And when they're both working, the lineup works. But that happened like seven games last year. So let's just try something new. Let's see Didi at the top of the order in the number two hole. I think that would be perfect. I actually agree with you. I think that Didi is the perfect number two hitter. I think with the evolution of of his offensive game, the way that he has really transformed himself, like you just mentioned, he can hit left-handed pitching now. Two years ago, Didi Gregorius could not touch left-handed pitching. And and the adjustments that were made in one year are phenomenal. And what the... He hit 320 against all, He was one of the leaders in the major in the American League against left-handed pitchers for, for as a left-handed batter. So what, what I'm seeing is extreme progression and I, I think that Didi is not even at his peak yet I think Didi will continue to improve I think he's a late bloomer offensively I think this guy is is really really hitting his stride at this point and I think you're absolutely right in the sense that I tweeted this from Bronx Pinstripes when we were watching this game that if he is hitting in front of Gary Sanchez the amount of fastballs that Didi Gregorius is going to get he might hit 30 home runs yeah it's not out of the realm of possibility yeah. he hit 20 last year I think that's a stretch but if I thir- certainly think he can be another 20 homer hitter, maybe 25 out of your shortstop batting second. No doubt. I don't think, De- I mean, Derek Jeter's career high, I think, was 24. 
I'm not comparing Didi to Derek Jeter. Not yet. Not yet. All I'm saying not is, yet. <laughs> all I'm saying is, he could get a lot of good pitches to hit in that number two yeah, hole. Yeah, that's that's and exactly. Right. I don't, I don't really give a shit if it's Gardner or Ellsbury batting first. I guess I'd prefer Gardner because I just like him better, and I actually think he's a little bit better of an on base percentage guy. But if it's Ellsbury, fine, so be it. If he's gonna throw a conniption fit because he's not batting at the top of the order, he's making 153 million dollars. Fine. Bat him first, but don't bat Gardner second in that case. Bat him ninth. Yeah, we've been down this road. It's it's just it doesn't work. They when they're when they're completely on, it's it's exciting and fun to watch. But it just doesn't happen very often because they don't yeah. stay on. One of them's hurt. One of them's in a, like a massive slump, and they just they don't work very well back to back. So I totally agree. Split them up. The fact that Didi can hit left-handed pitching, you're not going to worry about uh, you know what. Who who's if there's a left hander up, you're not going to really stress that too much because Didi can hit that. So, um, yeah, I mean the the beautiful thing is that because Sanchez now is such a weapon, and 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 came out and was such a uh, prolific home run hitter in that second half of last year, you're going to see the guy in front of him get a lot of pitches and good and a lot of strikes. And with Didi the way he's hitting, the way that that he's added this power element. Uh, the way that he puts the bat on the ball quite a bit. And he is clutch. If you remember how many big hits he had last year at the end of games, that's the guy I want. I want more at-bats for Didi Gregorius. And he's not, I mean, he's a better hitter, Didi I'm talking about, is a better hitter than a 7, 8, or 9 hitter. But he's not really a 5 or a 6 hitter. Right. So number two makes the perfect sense. And like you said, if Gardner and Ellsbury are going to be on fire at the, during the same game once a month, like every time there's a full moon, it's not worth right. it. I agree. And plus, we've just you know, let's just mix it up, just for for mixing it up, sake. For God, let's try something. Let's new. not see that again. Try Please. something new. We don't want to see it. Was maybe a month in the 2015 season? Was it like early, May, it was early? Yeah, it was very early. They were hot. They were both very hot, and it was it was uh it was uh, what was it called? Chaos or creating havoc? That's what it was. Havoc on the base path and. And then Ellsbury pulled an oblique muscle or something in Washington. Right. And Gardner got hurt and didn't tell anybody and played the rest of the season hurt. <laughs> Not that I fault him for that, but that's what he does. Yeah, but he's a warrior. He's a warrior. He just doesn't tell anybody. He's hurt. It hurts the team. Other spring training notes as I was watching and listening this weekend. Um, like I already said at the beginning, it was really fun to see Torres and Frazier play. Uh, Frazier had a couple of good games. Torres, I cannot wait for Gliber Torres to be up here. <laughs> He, uh, he had a great game on Saturday, scored two doubles, two runs, scored from second on a wild yeah. pitch. So I, I know this is cheesy and cliche, but the instincts and the intangibles are clearly there with Gliber Torres. Everybody says it. The guy, uh, Scott Kornberg, who you talked to from the uh, Pelicans, who was the radio voice for, for Torres' team last year, said it. Scouts say it. All of the, the prospect analysts say it. Coaches say it. I just really think he's a can't-miss prospect. He feels like that. I mean, you know I'm a big eyeball test guy. I don't really look at all of the uh, the, the 15 million acronyms in, on, on uh, fan graphs and all that to, to make a judgment on a player. Well, that's what I'm here I know. for. That's why we make a good combination. A lot of it, for me, is the old-school eyeball test. And when you're looking at this guy, the way that he practices, the way he conducts himself, the way that he plays in a game, the way he's... The fact that he scored from second base because that is baseball IQ. Thank you very much. That is some some talent right there. That's just knowing and feeling the game uh, the right way. You're right. He does feel like a, a can't miss prospect. This guy feels like he really gets it, and 
it's so exciting to watch that type of guy in the Yankee uniform. So, I, you know, we were saying this, and you you kind of came at me and, and, and said that it was not a possibility. Uh, and, and maybe it's not. But he's not going to be in double-A for very long. He's going to have a cup of coffee in double-A and be gone because they're going to put him through. I think I said that, yeah, he's not going to skip double-A, but I, I really but he think could. that we could see him <laughs> by September as a September call-up yeah, uh, this year. He's not going to be down in the minor leagues for very long. You, I was trying to, you get a bad month from Chase of, Headley, and Chase Headley is gone. Well, we will get a bad no, – no, you couldn't have had a worse two months from Chase Headley last year, and he wasn't gone. Well, it was, there was no guy there for, for the substitution. So you're saying they're going to call up Torres and, and shift him to third base, a position he's never no, played? No, I think they are going to be getting reps. They've already talked about it, that the Torres is going to start moving around positions. We're seeing right now what the Chicago – the Chicago Cubs have, have laid a template down, and, I, and I'm pretty damn sure that the New York Yankees have paid attention and that Joe Girardi is looking at what is happening over in Chicago. Because you're looking at all these guys. You see – you saw Tom Tyler Wade in center field. You see Mateo trying to get some work in center field. Uh, uh, Torres has been at short. He's been getting work at second base. He's been getting work at third base. These guys are moving around because they really understand how important it is to have a flexible roster so that these guys can move and you can insert every day your best player. Look at Chicago right now. Uh, what's his face? Baez doesn't even have a position. He's not even in the starting lineup. And that guy was, you know, Probably one of the best, uh, one of the best players on their team in the postseason. It's unbelievable, but they have so much flexibility that he's still going to get, you know, four hundred at bats, almost five hundred at bats, and not be a starter. But that's because of their flexibility, and it's a it's a credit to the way that they develop their players. And I really do believe that the Yankees are are, are taking note of that. Don't forget about all the farm animals that Joe Madden brings into the clubhouse. Yeah, I don't know about the farm animals. I don't know how that helps matters, but it, it loosens it up, I guess. It, doesn't hurt man. Apparently it doesn't. No goats though. Did they bring goats in? No, that would have been they didn't want to. I know, but I'm wondering it. Now next did year. Did just say whatever uh, and just bring a goat in? Wasn't there a story of Theo Epstein eating goat after after they won the World Series? I don't know. I don't I don't remember that. I bet a lot of goats were sacrificed after the World Series. Anyway, I was trying to think of some nicknames for Gliber Torres. I was kind of just tweeting about him on Saturday and it just came out G Man. I don't know if that's any good. Man, I don't I saw you did it. And uh, it feels a little lazy to tell you the truth. If I'm if I'm going to be honest, is such an interesting first name. Also, Sterling had a hard time with his name. Sterling has a hard time with a lot of things. He called him Glybor Tories. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe that's his name. Maybe he was using <laughs> pronounced every syllable and then some. And Maybe that was his Venezuelan accent. Yeah, and I had I had a total Albert and Castello moment with my dad on Saturday. Because after Torres hit the double, his first double, I said, oh, Gliber Torres is the Yankees' number one prospect, and he's the number four prospect in baseball. And my dad was like, really? Torres, the little guy? I said, well, I mean, he's not he's not that little. Maybe he's 5'11", listed at 5'11", maybe he's 5'10". It's like, there's no way he's 5'11", 5'10". My, my dad goes, he's like 5'5", maybe. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, the little guy from last year. I'm like, you're thinking of Ronald Torres. So I think, uh, thank God I was there to correct my dad, or else he would have thought Ronald Torres and his mole were the Yankees' number one prospect. Yeah, see, we just need to call him, well, they, they call him Toe, right? Which is, I kind of yes. like that. Or, or, you know, the mole, which has double meaning. I kind of like that, too. That would have been scary, though, if Torres, and not Torres, is the Yankees' number one prospect. Yeah, yeah. Well, Altuve, he's like an Altuve build, right? And Altuve is pretty decent. 
Well, Altuve's got some thickness mm. to him. Torres is a little shrimpy guy. But hey, I still liked him better than Headley last year. He put the bat on the ball. I was going to say, you better watch out who you're, uh, who you're making fun of because that may be his replacement. <laughs> Another guy who's just working on getting the bat on the ball and the, the baseball will travel a thousand feet is Aaron Judge. How about that bomb he hit Oof. on Friday that hit the top of the Steinbrenner field left field score? Yeah, that was fun to watch. That thing was a freaking rocket. It's so ridiculous when he makes contact. And that was when they had the, uh, when you know, when they do the between innings and, and Girardi gets on and starts talking to, to Michael Kay and, and whoever's doing the broadcast, they, that was his thing. His, his advice to Aaron Judge was just get the barrel on the ball. Oh, oh yeah, thanks. It's so simple, thanks, but no, but it, a lot of times it's stupid. But for Aaron Judge, six foot seven, six foot, six 275 foot eight. pounds, whatever he is, he's, he's a mountain of a man. Yes, just get the barrel of the on the ball and he's going to hit 35 home runs. That's how huge he is. So there was a lot of talk about this leg kick in the offseason, how he's trying to shorten his stride up and, and just really, you know, I guess be more compact so that he can hit that curveball. That was his big his big problem. He struck out on on a uh, – it was a curveball down. It was a slider down is what it was. It was a, It's not curveballs or sliders. It's breaking pitches. Breaking pitches low and away. Breaking pitches down. Those are the ones he's got to lay off of. He's got to be able to recognize that pitch out of the hand because if he doesn't, he's screwed. Um, and and what you're what you're seeing now is the 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 slightly modified leg kick. It looks almost like a step that he's doing now at this point. But from what he's saying, yeah. he's focused on his right hip because apparently that's controlling his entire swing and his entire body. So I'd imagine somebody his size, it's difficult to keep all of that intact yeah. and keep the mechanic mechanics working right. right i mean the the larger you are the more time there is for things to go and wrong repeating it that's the key right you want to repeat the good motions and and repeating something when you're that big is a lot more difficult than if you were if you were uh Torres, where it's a lot easier and you're a lot more compact and you can get to those get your hands to a position a lot easier than than, than judge can so and that's another that's another plus about having holiday around holiday's a guy who's who's a, a big dude i mean he's not as big as Judge. Looks small compared to Yeah, Aaron but he's Judge. a he's a I mean he's a thick dude. He's what, six yeah. five, six four, six five? Uh so he's yeah. you know, that's a that's a good guy to to be in the corner to at least just have conversations with about how you control your body and how you get a, get through your body with being that big. So I think he's gonna have the a good problem impact. for the problem for Judge though is there's really no comparisons because it's so uncommon for a six foot seven, six foot eight baseball player. It just doesn't yeah. happen. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton is like a – they look identical. Yeah, I mean, he's not that big, though. I mean, he's not that he's, big. He's pretty damn close to that big. He's not that far off. They're, they're both – I mean, you're being very you're, – you're talking about like an inch or two at this point, maybe 10, 15 pounds. It's not that far off. They're, they're very similar Judge players. Just, Judge does not look like he belongs on a baseball field. It's weird to – he's almost weird to look at on the baseball field. He's so tall and so wide. And he's wearing number 99. Which I love. And he's got this big shitty grin on his face. He just doesn't belong at a baseball field. He's got the Michael Strahan gap. And then he hits a 500-foot home run. And I just can imagine him, if he can just stick on this team and and not strike out all the time, he's going to be mine and so many people's favorite He's going to be a massive superstar, no pun intended. I mean, you saw MLB tweeted out his uh, his home run. I'm telling you, he's like the, he's probably the most marketable player on this team long term no doubt so they all want him to succeed so badly i have no notions of him not striking out a lot he's gonna strike out a lot 
He just can't strike out in half of his at-bats, which is what he did last right. year. Well, and you, you have to assume that he's going to improve on that. At what What's the number, though? Do you think there's a certain number that the Yankees have in mind where if he can't get his strikeouts down to, say, X percent, 25 percent or maybe 30 percent, then they just can't put up with him in the lineup? I mean, he's going to kill so many rallies if he's striking out 35, 40 percent of the time because – Plenty of time there's rallies that you don't even need to get a hit. You just need to put the bat on the ball. And all he's going to see is sliders in the dirt. I, you're a moron if you're a pitcher that throws him a fastball until he proves he can lay off the slider in the dirt. So he's going to see that a bunch. Not like he's going to be hitting fourth for the Yankees because they've got other players to do that. He's going to be hitting eighth or ninth, at least to start this year. So what's the number? Do you think the Yankees have a number in mind? I don't think they have a number. I think they're looking for progression, and I think that's what they want to see. They want to see progression. They want to see him making progress on his on the uh, the negatives of, of his game. And I mean, that's that's again, we've talked about this how, how Judge every single time he's been, he's hit, he's been promoted to the next level. There's always that adjustment period. He's always struggled, and then he's come back and fixed it. So that's the name of the game. He's got to fix it. He's got to see progression, and I think that's what the Yankees are going to look for. Because who the hell is going to be playing right field otherwise? Aaron Hicks. No, thank you. God. No, thank you. Boring. No, thank you. So boring. I mean, Judge is a good right fielder, too. He can. He's got a, he takes those long strides. He can rock get into the gap. Yeah. Cannon for an yeah. arm. Do you, think, um, do you think he'll reach the third deck in Yankee Stadium? Yes. Yes, I do. I think he's going to hit the <laughs> No one's gone third. No one's gone upper tank in left field in the new Yankee Stadium. It's happened. Raul Banez and then... Who was that guy from Seattle? Was it Russell Brannion? No, am I thinking someone from Seattle hit hit it into the third level in right field at the New Yankee Stadium? No one's ever gone third deck left field at the New Yankee Stadium. But if there's going to be someone, it's going to be Joe. Bro, he's going to hit it out of the stadium. I'm telling you, he's <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna pull a Mickey Mantle. He's going Mickey Mantle. There, it's gonna he's be, going yeah. Mickey Mantle. The ball is going to leave the stadium. He's freaking huge. I just think that uh, maybe, who knows, maybe Judge will be an all-star this year, but I think MLB needs to make an exception and just put him in the home run derby. Well, they don't need to be all-stars, right? Don't they? I mean, a lot of these guys aren't all-stars in the home run derby. They could, they could just do it. Yeah, but you need to have um, you need to have a lot of home runs. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a, I, I, how are they picking them? Because at one point there was like a captain and they were picking them. Are they still doing that? Because there's, yeah, there, was a, there, there was a certain like way. MLB... It's another gimmicky thing that they were doing, but they were definitely... Someone they had a captain and they were picking the guys. So, you know, he, I feel like they changed the rules on the home run derby. Yeah, he year. very well could be in it, but hopefully he doesn't pull a Bobby Abreu and then hit a bunch of home runs <laughs> and then and then never sniff a home run for the rest that of the year. A, that was a little suspicious, yeah, huh? A little suspicious. Abreu wasn't with. He was still with the Phillies. He when was. He, did that he though, was. Right. But that's like yeah. saying, I mean, Ichiro. If you put Ichiro in the home run derby, a lot of people said that he would win it because the dude hits bombs in uh, yeah, in that. batting practice. So, but and apparently, you buy and that? so does Tebow apparently because that was all over ESPN today. Yeah, is there any player that has no shot at making baseball that gets so many baseball headlines more than Tim Tebow? He literally was in the highlights and in and on like the the front pages, and I think I even got a like a notification from somewhere about well, that's why the fact I... that he had nine batting practice home runs. Like, get the come on! I don't. Why do I give a? If you're a Mets fan, you got to be so angry about this, right? I mean, if I'm a Mets fan. I I, I want no. Tebow. I You're want not angry at this because you knew this was going to happen the moment you signed him. I know, but if I'm a Mets fan, I'm not happy that they signed him in the first place. And the fact that he's oh, no, yeah, he's I taking agree. any headlines right now is just probably the most annoying thing. Tim Tebow and Aaron Judge are listed at roughly the same weight. Yeah, Tebow's thick. 
Yeah. His thighs are like three times the size of my thighs. It's insane. Anyway. Um, other spring training notes. Uh, Ref Snyder was playing all over the diamond except second base. So it's kind of uh, just uh, typical stuff for Ref Snyder at this point. And then also, this is a note you put in there. Holiday Carter and Judge are all massive. And if there will be a bench-clearing brawl, the Yankees are in good shape this I, year. I made that note because... There, there have been a few, you know, little uh, little tiffs with the Blue Jays recently, and and I could see potentially something happening, and and we're good. Like I, I dare you to come at us. We got we got some scrappy dudes. We got some massive dudes. We're in good shape. CC just doesn't. Get, he just he'll he'll go up to yeah, anybody. Who goes out first? Who who leaves CeCe. the parade? CC does, because CC doesn't give a rat's ass. CC just goes out there looking right. for something. You remember that picture I posted? That we him like in like the yeah. mayhem where he's smiling, like <laughs> smiling. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Loves yeah. it. But see, even though Judge is huge, he seems like a gentle giant. Yeah, but I like I he's think gonna get his boys like back. Frazier, he's gonna get his boys back. Like Clint, Fra- of course he will. But Clint Frazier, I think, is a maniac, yeah. and that once he's in the heat of battle, if you drill him or his teammate, I mean, he might just black out and not stop until someone pulls him aside and puts him into the dugout. No doubt. Whereas Judge, I think, has a more sane head on his shoulders. And uh, Judge probably needed to be conscious of his size his whole life, right? Or else he'd just break people. Yeah, yeah, he would get in trouble. I, I can't even imagine him playing football in high school. But the uh, you're right. Do you Hold on. Before you move on, did you ever watch The King of Queens? No. <laughs> uh, Kevin James was uh, playing, was practicing football with, it was a peewee football league. And he was just truck sticking like these eight-year-olds. And I would imagine that's how Judge was in high yeah, school. That's one of my dreams, actually. My, one of my dreams is to go back into Little League right now and, and, and pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Little yeah. League, the Little League World it would Series. Be fun. Yeah. But then you'd, you'd, you'd still get taken deep. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I think I would dominate. But we're good for a bench-clearing brawl. So, uh, you know, I, Blue Jays is a good call. The Orioles are always down to do something annoying. Yeah, Josh Donaldson's a little bitch. I mean, he cries about getting thrown inside. I mean, not even that far inside. He's 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 obviously, uh, you know, ready to to complain. And then he doesn't even do it at that point. He complains in the dugout to his boys, and then lets his boys do do the dirty work. He's a little bitch. You he's know, becoming one of my one of my uh, on the list with like Brett Lowry. He's he he's kind of got that look. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, he's get, he's he's getting he's becoming on that list. And I have a feeling now with the Yankees with a young scrappy bunch, I have a feeling this list is going to grow. I have a feeling that we're going to get a lot more emotional about these games coming up in the next this year and moving forward. Because I I, I don't know for some reason, like you mentioned, Frazier. Like when Frazier comes up and some of these other guys, I just have a feeling we're going to have some real rivalry. Well, you know what the annoying thing is that I feel the chances of a brawl between the Yankees and Red Sox this coming year are like the lowest they've been in years. Those teams seem to be the best of friends, or maybe even not the best of friends, just totally apathetic towards each other. I, I don't think they know each other, though. I think all the guys that know right. each other are gone. Where's that rivalry? It, it's but just that's the thing. Dormant. But, but that's the beauty of it. That's where I think you're missing the point here. The 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 way that these rivalries come about is guys that don't know each other they get pissed off in the middle of the game like that has to be a spur of the moment i hate you because you did this i hate you because you are this and that comes on the baseball field so i do believe that there's actually the potential for something very big and heated there because they, it doesn't seem like they're friendly it doesn't seem like they're friendly. and mookie betts seems like a guy who who will uh who will kind of be a dick when when if the rivalry's going really? yeah i could see him being like that have you heard him he, he's a little cocky dude man 
UC Jeter named him as his favorite baseball player. And I think that was just like the only player that Jeter could think of because I don't think he watches baseball. I think Mookie Betts was like the only uh, non-Yankee Derek Jeter could think of. Yeah, Mookie Betts. I mean, he's a good ball player. There's no doubt about it. But uh, maybe the captain was trolling a little bit, trolling the the Yankees players to step their game up. Like, I'm I'm picking a Red Sox. Let's go. Maybe that's why he didn't have as many of the big lists as a lot of the prospects at his dinner. Maybe they all went to A-Rods because of that comment. Yeah. How, how, what did you think of that when you saw that Jeter took all the prospects out for a dinner and then two days later, A-Rod was taking them out to an even bigger dinner? <laughs> so did, Classic Yeah, A-Rod. he went He went to Ruth's Chris, I think I saw. Or one of them did. I think it was A-Rod that went there. Um, I don't know where Jeter went. Jeter probably had some like badass steakhouse that's like a local one. It was probably way classier. But he, there was a lot of guys that I didn't even really recognize at, at that dinner, whereas A-Rod had all the, you know, the A-list uh, prospects going to it. So yeah, Jeter takes you to a fine like Italian dining yeah, restaurant, exactly. and then A Rod takes you to Ruth's Chris, and then you go to a strip club. Afterwards. Yes, yes. With with cousin, which dinner would you rather cousin be? Yuri. Which dinner? Which <laughs> dinner would you rather? Go I mean, to? there's no doubt about it. I want to go to dinner with Derek Jeter. Right, but then I want to go to the A Rod dinner after. Party. Maybe I will crash the strip club. Hundred percent chance I'll, strip, I'll crash the uh, we'll crash the strip club. How about that? Well, Jeter is an expecting father now, so he has to take it easy. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't. He would be in a back room where nobody would know he was there anyway. He's smart. Or A Rod would just go through the front door and be like, "Hey, I'm here." He got I'm away here. with some shit in the in the '90s and 2000s in Manhattan, so he knows what he's yeah. doing. A Rod would rip his shirt off and start start making it rain, while Twitter and Facebook are just all cameras are on him. Yankees camp and Yankees Twitter lit up as soon as A Rod came in to Yankee spring training. He was on the field, smiling his ass off. He was working with the young players, really getting into the mentoring thing. Did officially use the word retired. Yeah. What'd you think of that? I get I, Yankees still have to pay him yeah. though. Just a little side note. Well, I guess still at this point, get that twenty-two million dollar check. I guess he had to wait till the season was like ready to go because there was probably some date where the that that contract for that day or for this year goes into play without the retirement clause. Because that was the first time that we've heard him say that. We've all everybody else has said it, but he hasn't said it until now. He's never. He's actually avoided yeah. it, and I have a feeling it has to do with the contract and just making sure that these things pan out the way that they, him and uh, Hal, had their agreement. You, you know, he, they had an agreement behind closed doors, and and you know, I, I thought all along that that he was done, and that A Rod more than anything just wants to be a Yankee for the rest of his career and would not screw that up by going to play with the Marlins or whomever for a year. Like this is way more important and probably way more lucrative for him if he stays a Yankee for the rest of his career because who knows down the road. I've heard uh, you know people talking and chirping about you know potential some kind of ownership thing going on with A Rod and getting in, involved with the organization and you know who knows that uh, that's something that uh, that we'll definitely have to keep an eye on. But I, I have a feeling A Rod wants to be a Yankee for forever and like that's his legacy. He wants to be a Yankee forever, but he does not want to be a manager, right. which makes total sense because when have you ever heard of a player of A Rod's success and caliber become a manager? I mean, that would be unheard of. No one has ever been that good at baseball and then become a man. Pete, Ro- Pete Rose. I, I think it's more. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but Pete Rose wanted to gamble. That's why he became a man. Yeah, but but there are guys who have done it. I mean, not to the extent, but Alan Trammell went to bed. There are good players who came back and, and have managed. Yeah, but uh, everything Mattingly. that's been with A-Rod. Mattingly is actually a really good example. Mattingly was a great player, MVP. Yogi Berra. But he didn't make the money. Okay. He didn't make the money. That A Rod, those guys didn't make the money. I'm talking like A Rod's a half a billionaire. Yeah, okay, that's a different story. If we're talking about that, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to stress. I, I, like, look at Joe Girardi. I mean, the dude 
looks 50 years older since 2008. I don't think these guys are, are necessarily all doing it about the money. They're not doing it because they need the money. Mattingly's not managing because he needs the money. He's managing because— I think Mattingly probably needs some money. No. I mean, he's— I, I don't know what Mattingly's making, but I bet he's making two and a half million bucks a year. It's not that he needs the money. He never made that as Obviously a player. Obviously, the money's nice, no doubt about it. But he's doing it because he wants to be a manager and he loves the game. I, I, I believe that. I believe if you don't love the game and you don't love what you're doing and you're doing it for the money, you're not going to be good. You're not going to stick. There's no possible way you could do it because it's such a long job. Sure, you gotta have it just for the money. There's more to it than just the money. Than than the money, I mean. But I could see A Rod coming back from that, and and at some point, once he gets a little older, once his girls get a little older, they're often you know doing their own thing. They're married, married off, and A Rod's sitting there twiddling his thumbs with A Rod corpse, sick of signing balls. He could go back and and possibly manage, or I could see him in 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 this role, which I think is more realistic, in a John Elway role, where he just goes and is baseball mm, operations. Yeah. And I actually think he could be good at yeah, that. Possibly. Yeah. He he does have a I just don't like A Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Mattingly made twenty nine point nine million bucks over his career, so he doesn't need the money. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> if you invest well with, with any any we're close to that, you're good. Um, all right. Final bit of stuff before we get into the mailbags. It's the story that never ends. The Yankees are reportedly still dug into. Jose Quintana sweepstakes, somebody, uh, a reporter for CBS Chicago. His name was something Levine. I don't remember his first name, and I just wrote it. Is that it Levine or Levine? I don't know. I <laughs> I was kind of pronouncing it different last week on purpose. Just a slight dig at uh, Levine for calling Betances Dylan and not Dylan. But, I mean, I don't know. Is it Levine or Levine? I think it's tomato, tomato. Who knows? Anyway. Um, Yankees remain invested in Jose Quintana sweepstakes. Fine. Like what else, what else is new? I understand that because Jose Quintana is available and the Yankees have shown interest before Cashman is probably continuing to monitor what's going on with him. If I'm the white Sox, though, I'm not trading him now, trade him at the deadline when there's going to be five teams who are looking for a starting pitcher, all outbidding one another. Jose Quintana has been durable 200 innings every year since 2013. He's got a low three ERA every year. I'm not worried about Quintana having a bad first half or breaking down. He's 28 years old. I'm pretty confident if I'm the White Sox, I can get a haul of prospects for him at the July deadline instead of right now or in a week or two weeks ago or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think this is a, this is a story that has come up because you got to keep it alive. I think it's because it came from Chicago. It seems like it's a very hot topic. Uh, up there because he's the last guy that they're, I guess Frazier is also a potential. No, Frazier, Melky, Robertson. Yeah, there's, so there are some guys, I guess. But he's the he's definitely the one that would get the, the biggest he's haul the big because of the, the contract yep. and his age and all that. Um, so, you know, great. Okay, we're involved with it. That's, that's Brian Cashman's job. He's going to see what's up. You know, if the asking price is still what we think it is and what was reported from over the winter, then, you know, no thank you. So that's, that's, that's where I stand on that. And you're right. They're going to get a haul if they hold on to him. And he does pitch well in the first half at the trade deadline. I also think that – so there were other teams mentioned, the Astros, the Pirates, the Cardinals, and um, that was it. Astros, Pirates, Cardinals, and then the Yankees were mentioned to be involved in Quintana. I would say that both the Cardinals and the Astros are more likely to trade for him. The Astros, because they need starting pitching and they're going to be a, um, in competition this year. I mean, they've got a really good offense, and Keiko had a bad year last year, so who knows how he's going to be. And also the um, the Cardinals just lost uh, what's his name uh, Reyes, 
to an injury. The pitch, yeah. I, yeah, well, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I, I just read it today, and I can't. Alex Reyes or Alex, Alexis Reyes, I, whatever. Whatever, Reyes, yeah. That, that's that's a team. Well, first of all, the the Cardinals have have some work to do to get into that. All three of these teams, if you're looking, if you're if you're talking about four teams, the Yankees being one, and then three teams you mentioned, the Astros are the ones that that really stand out to me because one, I don't think the Pirates are going to be remotely close. So that would be a long term move if they think they can do it. But I don't know. What are you going to do with the Cubs for the next couple of years? Nothing. And and right. then the Cardinals are kind of in that same boat. They've been good for so long. But there's a wild card now. Yeah, so there you is. Can't just keep- you can't punt on a season. No, I, I understand that, but you're, you're also not going to give up the haul that they're looking for for the one right. guy when you need to you know, kind of overhaul your team with the Pirates. I mean, they're, they're, they're at a point now where they're almost going to blow it up and restart. Um, but Yeah, they missed their window. Yeah, exactly. The, the Astros are the ones that McCullers is their, what, number two or three guy, and he's already— McHugh. McHugh, thank you. He, he's the one who right now is going through dead arm in spring training. That's not good. <laughs> So the fact that their their number two guy is already experiencing a dead arm and saying that he's going to be fine for when the season, okay, yeah, good good luck with that. But they got a pitch. I mean, their offense is going to be ridiculous. They got a pitch. So that that one really stands out to me. Yeah. All right. Before we uh, one bit of thing before we get into mailbags, please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. I say it every week, but it's working. They tick up week by week. We're at two hundred finally. Everyone who's listening right now, if you like the podcast. Go giving go give it a rating. There's a lot more than 200 people listening, so I know there's people out there who have not rated it yet. I understand some people aren't listening on iTunes, so go on Stitcher Radio, Google Play. If you're in the UK, apparently there's a different <laughs> rating system. Go do it. Uh, just give us a five star review, and if you're not feeling so generous, give us a four star review. But but please give us a five star review. All right, Scott, are you ready to get into mailbags? This first one comes from Matt, and he says. How doomed is the starting rotation? Is every Yankee home game going to go over the over-under total? I'm assuming he's talking about the Vegas over-under totals. Anyway, um, some people, I think, think the rotation is doomed. When you have the only sure things, uh, I'm using quotes, as Tanaka, Pineda, and CeCe. And I wouldn't even call Pineda or CeCe sure things. And you know my feelings about Tanaka. Anyway. Severino, Warren, Mitchell, Sessa, Green, and maybe Caprellian, depending on who you read or talk to, are competing for those last two spots. So what do you think, Scott? Is it doomed? No. No, I don't think it's doomed at all. I think that – I think that uh, – look, you, I'm very very much the optimist in this in this bunch, in, the t- in this duo of, of uh, Yankees podcasting. And the fact that these all these young guys are, are fighting and, and just – chopping at the bit for this four or five spot, I think is such a good thing long-term for the Yankees and then directly affecting the Yankees this year. I think Severino, I have confidence that Severino is going to come back. We've already seen early in the spring. First of all, everybody's pitched well early in the spring so far. I get it. It's one start. They've pitched two innings. That's fine. But this is overreacting day, right? So um, I'm I'm going to overreact. They looked good. I liked Severino. The the, The fact that he has really made a concerted effort to establish that third pitch, that changeup, uh, he was throwing it when when he was uh, pitching when he pitched two scoreless innings, and it looked good. It had a little bit of a, a fade away too, which I like. It had movement. It wasn't just a a straight change that was just coming in like a fastball. It actually moved as well, which I think is is even more of a filthy pitch if he can command that. So if if that's if that's something that he get if he gets that changeup, 
he will be an effective starter. There's no doubt about it. That that's a lock. That's a lock. If he has that changeup, he will be an effective starter, and he will jump to probably the the, the top two or three in this rotation. So that's a guy that's yes. fighting for the four spot. Severino is uh, the interesting one out of the bunch because he's the only one who I can see being a frontline starter. Right. That's not a knock on Adam Warren or Brian Mitchell or Luis Sessa or Chad Green. But Severino has the potential to be a difference maker. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree to an extent that, uh, but I I do see one more guy in here that, that I think could really take another step up that, that could really surprise some people, and, and that's Brian Mitchell. Brian- okay, but... But let's. Just f- I want to focus on Severino for a second, and I wrote something on Friday. It was the importance of Luis Severino to not only the Yankees' 2017 team, but 2017 and beyond. Because if Severino falls flat on his face, that totally changes what Brian Cashman has to do to this rotation next yep. year. But if he has a good season and looks like he's going to be a number one or a number two starter, then you don't have to. Re- then you don't have to pay Tanaka a boatload of money to keep him. You probably still will, but you don't have to. Then you don't have to overpay Michael Pineda to keep him just because you need some stability. Then who knows what CC does if he comes back for a year or not. But this rotation is going to have a lot of turnover. You need somebody who's controllable, young, and stable. And right now that guy seems to be Severino. I understand there's other guys that could step up, but right now Severino is the leader in the clubhouse for who I think could fill that role and there's no doubt i mean we've been we've been talking about severino for a couple years now as the next guy coming up i mean he was the touted number one pitching prospect in the yankees organization he's the guy and he looked like it in 2015 and he looked like it at the end of last year in the bullpen i mean the guy that was dominant though that's not that i understand but what what we saw was stuff we saw the guy that is, is is effective he could pitch if he it was bizarre because he was so good he was filthy out of the bullpen i was running the numbers in that in that blog i wrote and he allowed a 105 batting average against as a as a um a relief pitcher and a 330 batting average against as a starting pitcher and you'd say okay well maybe he's getting shelled in the 4th or 5th inning nope getting shelled in the 1st inning so it makes no sense why can he pitch the 7th inning fine but he can't pitch the 1st inning fine he, he needs a sports psychologist that's what he needs he a psychiatrist he needs a guy who could to who could teach him and, and train him how to get right between the ears because that's the only thing that makes sense. It's the same physical tools. The guy has the tools to do it. Granted, when you're in the bullpen, you don't need that third pitch as much. But he was pitching a few innings in the bullpen. He wasn't just pitching one inning where you could get away right. with those two pitches. The, the guy was... By that logic, though, your first time through the rotation, through the batting order as a starter, should still be right. good. But I, that's my pitches. point. My point is that that's not the only logic. That's not the reason. The reason is between the ears. The guy yeah, men- mentally was not there for whatever reason... He he was you know because he had a lapse in in uh, mental toughness, mental awareness, like just focus. I don't know what it was. Maybe he was conserving energy. Maybe he was like, yeah. oh, I need to get through six or seven right. innings, so I'm not. That gonna... could be in the back of the which mind. is fine, but still, one hundred five to three thirty is that mean that's not even the same human. That's not even the same pitch. The beauty of the fact that he has that changeup. If he has that changeup, he's going to have a lot more a lot more uh, uh, comfort and and confidence that he could get through the rotation. I'm sorry, get through the lineup with uh, with relative more ease get through these guys because he's got another pitcher that he can hold on to and wait he doesn't have to show them the first time around he could show them the yeah, second slider time and the slider and the changeup will make a world absolutely difference. so the, you're right this guy i think is it's all between the ears so this is we've seen the physical tools we know he has them now go do it so you were starting to talk about brian mitchell as a potential sleeper um to maybe make be a difference maker in the rotation and he looked like he was going to be a difference maker on the team last year and he broke his foot or what it was a no, toe what did he have 
Turf yeah, toe. Turf toe, which sounds horrible, and I used to make um, fun of it, but it's excruciating. It's like the worst thing ever. It sounds well, yeah, so... Well, yeah, a four-month injury, I, it better be excruciating. Yeah, and especially for a pitcher where you got to use your feet quite a bit, you know? The the thing, I, the reason I say Brian Mitchell is because last year, uh, he was he was very, very, very good in spring training. He looked like a guy who was throwing, uh, you know, mid to high 90s. I, I made a point last year that that was probably the first time we saw Mitchell in an extended time, right? That we had seen him over a number of starts of spring training last year. And I didn't realize how hard he actually threw, how he was, he was throwing in the high nineties. This guy has a lot of movement on his pitches. The ball seems like it, you know how they say it, it comes out of your hand easy. It's like an easy fastball. That's what it looks like. It looks like it just pops out of his hand. And also now the he was talking about between innings, he was talking, I think with uh, Meredith Morakovic, uh, that he is developing a splitter. The fact that he's adding another pitch to his repertoire uh, is so is so well, promising to me. No, it really is because this is pump the brakes though. Let's let it, let's see if he can throw two or three pitches before he adds. A no, fourth. he has three pitches. That's the beauty. He's adding a fourth. He hasn't pitch. successfully thrown them. I know he's had times in the major leagues where he's looked good, but this is a guy. Let's see how he does for an extended period of time if he does indeed get one of these. Look, oh, you stop raining on my overreacting parade and let me overreact for God's sakes. Uh, I'm sorry. Come on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Overreact. The, Cy Young for for Brian. Yes, Mitchell, absolutely. Right? Second runner up Cy Young will be Luis Severino. <laughs> Fine. Matt Holliday's going to win the MVP. That's all good. But here's the deal. Uh-huh. Brian Mitchell was about to take another step last year and got screwed by that injury. It was bad luck. Now is the is his time. He is going to win that fifth spot. I have, if I were going to put money on any of these, it's going to be Severino and Mitchell. That's that's who I would put. I'm saying like 80%. I think that's who it's going to be. I think Chad Green is going to start in the bullpen. I think Seth is going to be a long guy. I think these two guys are the ones that are, are, are the, the ones that are going to win. And Mitchell, with developing yet another pitch, has the potential to be very, very good. And if he is very good, totally different rotation. Totally different rotation. You don't think uh, Warren has a shot to be the number five starter? Girardi might want a little bit more stability in the rotation? Or is he cursed by the fact that Girardi knows he can use him out of the bullpen? I think that we know what Warren is, and uh, I agree. He was good as a starter in 2015. He was good as a starter, but, but like you just said, Girardi has a guy where he can he can play with. <laughs> it's his little toy. He he could go in. He could be a long that guy. That sounded weird. <laughs> he can he could do what he needs to do with him. Doesn't need to be locked in in that fifth role. I I think Warren's that guy who who is going to be in the middle throwing at different places. We might even see him. Girardi try to use him in like an Andrew Miller role. I could see him trying to do that while he's not even remotely close to that guy. He's going to be flexible in that sense. This is interesting. I like it. Like we, every week as we go through spring training, we should rank the the rotation Royal Rumble for the fourth and fifth starters where we think it stands. So you're saying Severino and Mitchell have the early lead. Then what would you say? Warren, Sessa, and Green are all kind of second level right now. I know it's only been one start, yeah, I, but that's where that's where you, that's where you I stand. think Green is effectively is going to be the most effective out of the bullpen. I think that kid when when he's throwing one or two innings can throw like a high nineties, has a hell of a fastball. Uh, I think I have a feeling that's where his future is. Uh, Sessa yeah. probably has more, uh, more of a. I think he's a you know a four or five starter, but but I could absolutely <laughs> see him. <laughs> that's where, I mean that's, that's where his ceil- that's go. his ceiling. I mean that that's that's yeah. where he's gonna that's where he would end up no matter if he was on this team or another team. I think he's a four or five starter, but in on this team I don't think they're gonna. Um, He's gonna get starts. All these guys are gonna get starts. Let's all not let's yeah let's, that's that's let's another, not be that's mistaken. A good point yeah. to bring yeah. up. There will be injuries. Yes. The all of these guys will start at one point. Look what happened last year. There were there were 
a lot of people starting. Caprillion will probably get starts this year too. The team will be really in really good shape if only two of these guys start for the whole year and they make 30 starts. Yeah, that'd be a good sign, no doubt. All right, so we'll see after one more, next week after we have another five to or f- uh, five starts from total from these guys of overreacting. We'll see where they stand. <laughs> All right, what do we have next? Next is from Wilder. He said, "Why are the Yankees keeping Headley? Use one of the kids instead. Use the first twelve weeks to test the kids out at third. Even Tyler Wade could play there." Read the the next one from Patrick too because it, it closely ties in. All right, so play. Patrick says. Uh, big fan of the show. Here's my not-so-hot take. The Yankees will find a spot for Miguel Anduar on the 40-man roster should he continue to have the kind of spring training he's had so far. It's been a weekend. Even though, <laughs> I love it. Even though Patrick overreacting. Uh, he's on the overreacting Yeah, I said overreact. Let's go. Bring it on. Even though he hasn't played in AAA, he has shown that he could come back. He could play well against better competition so far. Worst-case scenario, they could always use... Uh, they could always option him back down if he doesn't perform. And continuing on the overreacting slash making headlines slash news that is really shouldn't be made a big deal of, but let's make a big deal out of it. Greg Bird took grounders at third base last Uh-oh. week. Chris Carter, full-time first baseman. <laughs> um, Headley obviously isn't going anywhere for the time being, but a lot of people want to see him gone. And... Headley's time is numbered, yeah. though. When you look at the amount of young players on this team, young infielders, Torres, Mateo, Tyler Austin when he's healthy, Miguel Anduar, um, who am I missing? Tor- I mean, did you say Torres? Because Torres might I slide Torres, over there. Yeah. yeah, Torres. What about yeah. Torres? And then you, then, you have, then you have Castro and Didi who are not even played their 28-year-old seasons yet at the major league level. Yeah. I mean, Headley's days are... Yeah, no doubt. And Castro is one of those guys that we said could slide over to third base. I mean, that's a guy who could make a natural switch. You're absolutely right. And I and I this is absolutely the last year, I think, for Chase Headley, personally. I think they will eat the rest of the contract. Thank God. They'll trade him, they'll do something. I think this is the last year. Because they're they have so many infielders coming up. And, you know, granted, if they have terrible seasons, if if Torres is the not the guy that we think he is, which which is a long shot, I think. It's actually a long shot for him to 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 fail, in my opinion, and I think your opinion as well, because we said he's a, a, a can't miss. I guess that's the definition of that, right? But I, I, you know, Castro. I still don't understand why everybody's trying to trade Castro. I don't get it. I really don't. I feel like this guy's an uh, because everyone likes the new and hot oh, item. They so see ridiculous. these prospects and they say, "Oh, we got to get rid of the old guy Castro at second. Meanwhile, he's twenty eight years old. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And he had twenty home runs last year. He's he had his most productive offensive season as far as power. Like this is a guy that can move over to third base. Please, this is this. There, are, there's room for these guys. But even if he doesn't, fine. If he doesn't, fine. And they want to move on from Castro, fine. But let's not boot him out of town. Oh, he's controlled through 2019, I think. I mean, it's like, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. People don't want. You're not going to get. You would get more for for someone in in the minor leagues probably than you were going to get for for Castro at this point. Anyway, let me ask you a question. Say the Yankees played Miguel Anduar at third base to start the season which would be ridiculous because he's only played 72 games in double A and has not even played triple right. A. How much worse would the team be than having Chase Headley? There? You know what? It's so funny because I keep going back to uh, Solarte. <laughs> I, I keep going back to Solarte. Outproduced yeah, Headley. Uh, and, and how he came up, was not a highly touted guy, but came up, played an admirable third base, got hot, got real cold, got hot, was, was serviceable, but was pretty much Chase Headley. So... 
because Andor is 22 going on 23 years yeah. old. So it's not like you're going to total like if you bring Torres up now who's nine who just turned 20, you could ruin him. I don't think you would because I think he's a can't miss prospect, but you run that he's risk. An old soul. Also, you don't want to you don't want to ruin Torres. You want to do everything right with him. So that we want to ruin and- Andor. No, well if you do it's not the end of the world. <laughs> um but like how much worse would they be? Yeah, I I agree. Not much worse, if worse at all. Probably better, or better in my eyes, because I'd like it better. If Chase um, Headley does what he though, did in the second half, then he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be fine. He plays a good third base. You know that the first year he was over there with the with the throwing injury, the throwing weird issues. Uh, he kind of. So you're saying if he produces like he did in the second half for the whole year, I would say that he'll probably end up with the same stats as last year. So maybe he doesn't suck in the beginning of the year and play. Slightly above average in the second half of the year. Maybe he's just regular medium suck for the whole. He's year. gonna hit two sixties. He's gonna hit fifteen home runs. He's just driving six, sixty RBIs. That's what he's gonna do. And he's falling asleep. And he's gonna play a good third base. He's gonna snag a bunch of balls going towards. Unfortunately, Anduar made an error, a throwing error on Saturday. Yeah, it's like can't be making errors. No, you cannot be making you're, errors. You're cannot be making errors. But yeah, Anduar, look, they're they're gonna wait. They this is the year where Headley is gonna basically be a stopgap for these guys to develop that's that's what this is maybe i won't hate headley as much because i know it's it's temporary yeah, they're gonna point. eat the contract they're, it's gonna happen be confident in that that they will eat some of that contract i guarantee it all right let's move on to the next one is from noah adler on twitter he's at noah adler 99 and he says um for, uh, my question is, if Gary Sanchez is able to stay healthy this season, how many home runs will he hit? And we talked about expectations and if people are are thinking Gary Sanchez is going to keep up that pace at the end of last year, which is totally unrealistic, um, if he could actually be disappointing this season, even if he has a good season. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but <laughs> I think Noah is a new listener, and I'm sure we have some other new listeners, so let's get into it again. I looked up Fangraph's 2017 predictions for Gary Sanchez, and they have him playing 138 games, 274 batting average, 832 OPS, which is a really good OPS for a catcher, 27 home runs, which is the most projected homers uh, this season for a full-time catcher, and a 5.4 war, which is also very good. That is essentially in line with Buster Posey's past five seasons, and I think you and I would agree that if Gary Sanchez turns into Buster Posey, we and the Yankees will be very happy. Yeah, not to mention he's throwing out people on 100%. <laughs> Missiles. <laughs> he's just he's just laying out everybody. It's ridiculous how his arm. He's I I cannot believe how how under the radar his defense was when he was in the minor leagues. How it wasn't talked no, no, about. Remember he remember he totally revamped It's crazy. It. He, it's unbelievable. He he got sat down. He got basically a slap on the wrist. I think it was 2014 or 2015. It was 2015 because we were doing the podcast. Um, he got a slap on the wrist, and since then he rededicated himself to defense. And how do you hide? He knew how he do you hide to. a cannon like that? I don't. I don't understand. Laziness, I guess. But yeah, it's unbelievable. The the those predictions I think are, are pretty accurate. I, I see him uh, right around 30 home runs. That's that's kind of where I am. 274. I would be um, I would be actually impressed if he hit 274 his first year. I I, I could see the, that batting average taking a, a dip. The first year, because I think he's going to get. We, I said above. that a couple weeks ago, and you said no. I did. I don't see. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember that? There. I, no, a little bit. I. Th- I think he'll be around like two sixty five, two seventy in that area, just because 
I, I think there's a book on him. I think they're going to be a lot more. I think there's going to get a lot tougher pitching, uh, you know, coming in. He's the guy that they have to avoid. So and he's got expectations. There's expectations. Now. There's a lot on his. While, while he doesn't seem like he is a, is affected by it, um, you know, he's still a young guy who who, ha, who gets at his own brain. It's just natural. How how crazy though is a 30 home run hitter who throws out runners with ease who's batting in the three or four slot in the order, who's a young kid, young catcher, team leader, five and a half win season. If he meets all those proje- projections, some Yankees fans will be disappointed. Yes, because of how toward a start he had. It's kind of cursed himself. You know, it's that's on the fan. That's a personal problem. That is that is a fan issue. That's a me problem. Yeah, not that a, is a fan that's a you issue, problem, kid. Not a me problem. Look, we all, everybody who, who has that mentality right now needs to look in the mirror and smack themselves in the face because it's not going to happen. The dude got hot. The dude did something that nobody ever, 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 ever has done in Major League Baseball. Forever. It was unprecedented. This is not going to so happen. There's been what, like ten thousand baseball players in history, and he was the only one to ever do what yes. he did. So the fact that you think that he's going to continue what he did is just unrealistic. So don't think that. <laughs> That's all I got to tell you. Lower your expectations. Get them in line because if you don't, you're going to be disappointed. It's a really good motto for life. Actually. I know. Just lower your expectations, and then things will work out happy because they'll you'll. Most likely at least meet those low expectations yeah. or do better. And if you do go under those expectations, if they're lower, then there's a serious issue. Yeah, just kill yourself. <laughs> just, you know, just walk off a bridge. <laughs> don't, don't do um, that. Um, all right. What do we have next? The next is from Judah. This is a little uh, off the field. It says, what is your opinion on wearing gear for other teams? For example, I'm a big Yankees fan, but I own some Dodgers and Giants stuff that I like to wear. What you got? You wearing you wearing no Red Sox sports and Red Sox hats around Boston? No, see that's exactly what I was gonna say. If you're a Yankees fan, and you're wearing a Dodgers uh, or a Giants hat. It's interesting. Maybe his his dad or his grandpa was a New York baseball fan from back in the fifties. Maybe that's where he gets those those New York baseball ties. I don't really have an issue with that because they're not a rival. If you're a Yankees fan wearing a Mets hat or a Yankees hat or basically anybody in the American League, then I have a problem. Yeah. So uh, here's the deal. I don't think you should be wearing anybody anybody else's. The, the one the one exception I, I think is that, like you just said, there's like some family tie where, like for instance, I'll give you a for instance in my life. I've talked about this when I was a kid. I used to go down to Vero Beach all the time in Florida, and we would always do like Dodger Town. We would go to the Dodger stuff. So like they were always kind of like a nationally team that I would I wouldn't necessarily follow them, but I would just I would always look in the in the paper or see what they were doing and things like that. And I had I have a, I have. Right now in my office, I have a Virginia, a, a Virginia, a Vero Beach Dodgers pennant from like 20, 30 years ago. Like I'm rocking that because I think it's kind of cool. It's something that's from my childhood. Uh, I probably have some Vero Beach Dodgers gear somewhere, but I don't really wear it all the time. The only exception if I would wear it is if I thought it was like a cool hat, like a cool design or, or something like that. I, retro. I think retro yeah, stuff is I may cool. I may rock it just for just, you know, not, but I wouldn't like wear it to a game or anything like that it, you know maybe around the yeah. house or i don't know doing doing stuff in the yard like i'm not wearing it in public It totally depends on how cool the jersey or the the hat or whatever is you mean trendy if it's trendy you shouldn't no, I'm, do I'm it i'm saying like unique yeah if it's like a unique retro jersey or if you have i saw a um i was at a baseball game i, I was at a yankees it was at yankee stadium i forget who the yankees were playing 
but I saw someone wearing a Montreal Expos Vlad Guerrero jersey. Okay. And I was like, that's a cool jersey. I would wear that jersey. See, I'm, as an adult, I would never wear that jersey right now. I, I, well, I don't no, really – I'm not a I mean, jersey guy. But if I'm in like – I'm not a jersey guy either. But I thought it was a cool jersey. It was unique because the, the team's not even in existence anymore. And Vlad was a badass player. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you where this, where this really lies a lot is when you're in like middle school and high school. When you're in middle school and high school, you're rocking like gear from everybody, right? Like there's usually a lot of the kids, well, even if they have a favorite – team and a favorite player they're still going to wear occasionally some of the other stuff just because it's 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 trendy or it's cool or it's whatever and you're just a baseball fan and i kind of get that like you, you grow up in a certain point and you, you but, but at a certain point in your life you need to make a decision and you can't be going around wearing like the the the, the it guy's jersey or the it guy's hat because he's the it guy and you're not the, a fan of that team like to me that's unacceptable let me ask you this this is an example from my life i want to see what your take is Remember the All-Star Game in 1999 was at Fenway Park? Yeah. So I was 11 years old, and I was at uh, summer camp, sleepaway summer camp in Massachusetts. Is it and... band camp? <laughs> no. It was <laughs> it was Jew camp. <laughs> it's all Jewish camp. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we went to Fenway Park the week before the All-Star Game. Or maybe it was the week after. Anyway, it was right around it. And I got a All-Star Game 1999 hat, and it had, like, a green monster kind of, like, logo on it. It did not say Red Sox on it anywhere. Uh, I believe it did say Fenway Park. Uh, and I, I wore that hat that summer as a Yankees fan. What, what do you think? How old that? were you? 11. Yeah, see, I give a pass. 11-year-old kid. It was an All-Star Game, and I was always a fan of Fenway Park. I, th- I think Fenway Park is... A really cool stadium, regardless of the Red Sox or not. I agree with that. I didn't have an appreciation for Fenway Park until I went there, and I was in my twenties. But I, I didn't. I never had the appreciation for it uh, until I went there, and I was there. I'm like, this place is awesome. I hate everybody in here, but this place is awesome. <laughs> um, you're an 11 or 12 year old kid wearing a hat. Like, I got zero issue with that. It's just it, that happens all the time. I, I look at my old hat collection from when I was a kid. I have it in a box somewhere, and there's like all sorts of hats. Like, I would collect the hats. So people are with the sweat stains, the old hats with the sweat stains. Yeah, you know, I would rip out all the mesh on the inside, and and I would write <laughs> like I have a hat that says Nirvana on the inside of the brim. <laughs> Ooh, Nirvana fan. Yeah, huh? I was a Georgetown Hoyas fan when I was in middle school because of the Big East for whatever reason. I don't know why. I liked Alonzo Mourning. So yeah, so yeah, I, I when you're in middle school, it's like it doesn't matter. You just you like sports. Anything flies in. Yeah, middle exactly. I hope we answered your question, <laughs> Judah. <laughs> All right, last mailbag question is from Andy in Connecticut, and he says, what do you guys think of the new stadium renovations? I'm talking about Yankee Stadium, not Steinbrenner Field. I think the stuff done out in center field could be kind of cool. He's talking about the new party deck areas that are to the left and right of the Mohegan Sun Sports Bar, took out some bleacher seats, took out the obstructed view bleacher seats, which was Thank God. a long time coming. I mean, I don't know how you build a $2 billion stadium with obstructed seats, but the Yankees somehow did that. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to going. I know people freaked out for whatever reason when those changes were announced, which I thought was stupid. They're improving the stadium. That's the idea anyway. I'm sure it's still going to affect their bottom line. They're going to make more money somehow. Regardless, I am looking forward to going and checking out the new the new areas of the stadium. Yeah, it's fine. You know, they, I mean, you have to keep your stadium up to date. That's, that's people are 
are, are taking uh, like for when you have a family and you're going to kids, like sometimes the kids don't want to sit there and watch the games, which I would make my kid sit there and watch the game, but <laughs> they have like a play area. They, they made the, the technology, the networking, I think all better. And the fact that there's another bar, you can still watch the game and hang out on a party deck. Like that's cool. I got no problem with that. You can still watch the game while you're doing that. I like that. The Mohegan Sun Sports Bar, that deck is actually a really cool vantage point at the stadium. Yeah. So now you have more space out there. Yeah, that, I mean, that's so. where we saw Judge's home run come right. It was yeah. coming right at us. It was pretty awesome. If you zoom in on, on when Judge's home run is going over, this, over the fence, you could see us. Yeah. So I got no problems with it. I mean, why, why wouldn't they improve the stadium? Of course they're going to improve the stadium. If you don't think that they're going to improve the stadium, you're, you're, you're being naive to, to that. I think people will get... Uh, their panties in a bunch when they announced that before we announce any free agent signings and all that other stuff because they announced this first because they got to fill some some time with some some new stuff right but there's no news on the field at that point and the team has not been good recently so people get their uh you know they go up in arms about things like that so well it's like anything it's else whenever you make an announcement or make a change the first reaction amongst a group of people is let's revolt yeah. I, I still think they just they need to get rid of the legend seating. They need to get rid of the exclusivity of all that crap. The moat. I hate. They got to get rid of all that. It That's the biggest looks thing. So, the moat in between the legend seating and the actual seating looks so bad. Not only on TV, but when you're there, it just seems so um, non-intimate. Yeah, they, that's that's one thing that they have they have to do at some point. They got to get rid of it. And I know I don't think they're gonna because that tunnel goes down to like where you can get if you're a luxury box ticket holder, you can go under that tunnel. You can like get all your your concessions and everything. That's where the waiters come out and hand you your stuff. Ugh, waiters. <laughs> I've never sat in the legend seat, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't Long know how Trust to act. doesn't want me sitting in the legend. I was gonna say seat. I wouldn't know how to act there. Trust me. All right. Thanks, everyone, who uh, submitted mailbag questions. If you want to do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can call the voicemail line at 646-480-0342. Tweet us at Yankees Podcast. My Twitter handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. Scott's is at Scott Reinen. And again, that 25% off fan shop code was Severino. S-E-V-E-R-I-N-O for all those people who can't spell. Scott. Any last words? Another week of overreactions. Let's we'll see what this pitching staff does. So uh, more live baseball. I'm, uh, I'm pumped up. This season is getting hyped up just like I expected. Good stuff. Good week, everyone. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.